Welcome to the Work Research Revolution. I'm your host, Cara DeLunga. In this podcast, I speak to doctors, scientists, professors, and business leaders who are at the leading edge of this work research revolution and radically changing the way we work. We will be harnessing their collective insight so that we can create the catalyst that drives much needed change in the future of work around the world. Work Reset Revolution is brought to you by Softer Success. Visit www.softersuccess.com to learn how you can revolutionize your well-being plan and help eradicate burnout in your organization. So let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the Work Reset Revolution. And today I'm speaking with Jeff McDonald. And Jeff is co-founder, Minds at Work, a business transformation advisor and mental health campaigner. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Cara. And thanks so much for having me today. It's wonderful to have you. And I wanted to start off with the first question. In your view and your understanding and your experience, what are the biggest challenges affecting modern workplaces at the moment? The biggest challenges affecting modern workplaces. Cara, I'm going to give you a response, which is very much an observation that I've had over the last nine or 10 years as I've journeyed this path of helping organizations to, one, address the stigma of mental ill health in their workplace, but also think about the well-being of their people in a more strategic way. And, you know, that path has taken me to all sorts of countries, sectors around the world. And for me, the most challenging or limiting resource that I see in the modern workplace today is the energy of people. I see workplaces today where people are frazzled. They can't wait for a Friday afternoon and they don't love a Monday morning. And I think the second challenge that I see is the cause of that being the workload and the expectation on individuals essentially to do more with less in the modern workplace. So for me, those are the two, two things that really strike me. I mean, I don't know how many organizations in different sectors that I go into, the biggest complaint that you hear is workload. And what that then leads to is to people feeling frazzled. Yeah. You know, people are frazzled. And although that's an observation of mine, it's backed up very much by Professor Jeffrey Pfeffer yeah. from Stanford University, who's written a book called Dying for the Paycheck. Not thriving for the paycheck, but dying for the paycheck. And he's done all the longitudinal research into what workplaces are doing to people's lives today. And we are seeing that also in our research on burnout and you know how the, the, the numbers are increasing and how actually burnout is evolving into something that's much bigger. And so, yes, I couldn't agree more. So those are the issues. But then what would help in all your experience? What would help in tackling these crises, this challenge? I mean, I know this sounds cliched, but, you know, at the end of the day, it all starts with the leadership and the leadership of organizations. I think we need to see a shift in the mindset of those individuals who are responsible for a workplace. And the shift in mindset that I would like to see is why can't we create workplaces, 
Kara, where what we do in a workplace, by going to work, you come to work, and by doing that, we are going to enhance your life. So what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is imagine an employee value proposition which says, come and work for this organization. You know why? Because we will enhance your life. And I don't think that's too far-fetched because I think work can be life-enhancing. Yes. You know, work for many people, it provides them with a sense of purpose in their lives. Work for many people provides them with a routine each day to participate in. Work for many people provides the opportunity to build and form wonderful relationships with colleagues and peers. Work provides the opportunity for people to feel like a sense of community. And I think if we can also have workplaces where, where the ultimate objective of the workplace is not merely around the growth, the efficiency, the profitability of that workplace, but what is that workplace doing or that organization to make the world a better place? And so giving people a greater sense of purpose and a greater sense of meaning by coming to work, that it's not just about the bottom line. That's the consequence of being a good organization, but it's not its purpose. And I think if we can shift the mindset where leaders are thinking about, you know, human beings come to work, not units of production. And you know what we want to do yeah. is we want to enhance the life of every human being. And in order to do that, I honestly believe that we should be thinking about the well-being and the health of individuals as a strategic priority in the boardroom. Not a week called the well-being week, yeah. or three bananas next to the till in the canteen, and guess what? We ticked the box for one week of the year, and now we care for you, and the other 51 weeks of the year, we'll flog you to death. But how could we elevate the well-being, the health of our people to be a strategic priority in the boardroom, and in executing that priority, create a culture, an environment, and a workplace which truly enhances the lives of every human being who works in that workplace. I just couldn't agree more. And, you know, we've just released our research with King's College London on why well-being needs to be a business goal, you know, and we even take it a step further. I personally think it should be part of business job contracts and job descriptions. And, yes. you know, we got to formalise it to an extent that, Yes, it's just as important how well somebody is, and that will then naturally reflect and then be able to enhance their life, right? Um, yeah. I love it. So it you should know, be enhancing you know, life. I mean, I was so irritated by an article in the FT recently where it was kind of people at work need to now roll up their sleeves. Let's forget about all this well-being stuff and let's get people back to work and roll their sleeves up and get on with it. We've done all this caring around COVID and all the rest. And it's kind of as if it's an either or, you know, we either look after the well-being of our people or we perform. I mean, this is not an either or. I mean, this is an end, as you say, it's an imperative. It's a business goal that will help to drive and enhance the life of people, the productivity and the performance of the organization. And we should be thinking of it in those terms rather than, oh, some soft, fluffy well-being thing that we're going to do to people. This is about a cultural transformation of an organization. Yeah. It's not about a week or the well-being week.
No, I completely agree. And, you know, in fact, it will even get to that point, like what will happen? I like to use this glass of water analogy, right? Where we've now had, you know, there's COVID, there's war, there's economic uncertainty, rising cost of living, and we keep adding to this glass of water. So what would happen if we have another pandemic or there is a, you know, big climate crisis, which could well happen, right? People are not set up for it. Organizations are not set up for it. There needs to be a, you know, how do we get ready for the big changes in business so that, you know, organizations are prepared for this and that well-being is absolutely incorporated. And I think there was a lot of talk, you know, and there's been a lot of action on well-being. But I completely agree with you when you see that kind of article. It just is you think, okay, this is going to just contribute to even more burnout. And loss of people, loss of talent, right? People are going to have to say, I've had enough. I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> yeah. So, And you know, I, Cara, you say that there's a lot of well-being being done. But you know what's happening? Mm. Well-being is being done to employees. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of, I'll give you an app. Go and sort out your well-being. You know, or I'll give you a gym membership. Go to the gym and sort out your well-being. But it takes two to tango. And I think organizations... They've got to look at their policies, their systems, their processes, the ways of working in the organization that might be causing the stress and the strain on individuals. So it's not good enough to say we're doing well-being to people and use the app and get on with life if the organization itself is not prepared to look at the ways of working in that organization and how can we shift those ways of working to alleviate the stresses and the strains. You know, I often say if a flower doesn't bloom, there's nothing wrong with the flower. It's the environment it lives in. So if you don't water the flower, if you don't give it a bit of fertilizer, it won't bloom. I think this is a two-way street. Yes, individuals must take accountability to look after their well-being, but organizations then need to create the right environment where people can truly thrive. Absolutely. And that's not just, you know, whether they work from home or the office, there's a much bigger picture there, isn't there? So um, so I came to hear you talk, Jeff, many years ago at the ISMA, so the Thrust Management Association, and I was really inspired by your talk and the work that you do. And I'd love it if you could just share a little bit more about what you do and kind of what got you into doing what you do now with our listeners. Oh, thank you, Cara. You know, let's start with what got me into it. So 2008, I got very ill with anxiety fueled depression. While I was doing a big job in Unilever, I was the head of HR for our home care category around the world. And after being diagnosed with anxiety fueled depression and leaving the doctor's room, I made a decision that day not to be burdened by the stigma that is associated with the illness. And that allowed and liberated me And it allowed me to talk about my illness, to talk to my family, to close friends and to colleagues at work. And, you know, I had to take three months off work. And during those three months, I had dark moments. There was two things that kept me alive in my darkest, darkest moments. And they are the two most powerful emotions in the world. One is called love and the other one is called hope. Mm. And the only way I was able to feel that sense of love and hope is because I'd been able to talk about my illness. And that's what I got back from so many people was this outpouring of love and this sense of hope from some individuals who had been where I'd been and had got better and gave me that bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And yes, after three months off work, I recover, I go back into the workplace, back into Unilever. And then in four years later, 2012, I lose a very good friend to suicide. 
And the night he dies, I lie in bed and I just think to myself, well, what's the difference between him and me? And the only conclusion I can come to is I'd been able to talk and he couldn't. I'd been able to experience a sense of love and hope. He hadn't been able to do that because he couldn't talk about this stuff. And I'm not saying that had he been able to talk, he would definitely be alive today. But what I'm saying is had he been able to talk, there's a tiny, tiny chance that he'd be alive. And I, I kind of thought to myself, you know what? I want to give people that tiny chance to be able to just talk about their mental and emotional struggles, common mental and emotional struggles like depression and anxiety, just like they do common physical illnesses like glandular fever or flu or COVID. And I suppose that was the catalyst. It led me to co-lead a piece of work in Unilever around breaking stigma. And then I left Unilever to go out into the world. And my journey, Cara, is filled with a very deep sense of purpose. And that is to try and create workplaces, family groups, friendship groups, where every single person in that workplace feels that they genuinely, genuinely have the choice to just put their hand up and ask for some help if they're struggling with a common form of mental ill health. And that sense of purpose has fueled me over the last nine years, and it's taken me to people and to places I could never, ever have imagined over the last nine years. And I suppose the last couple of years, my narrative has begun to shift as I provoke, hopefully yeah. inspire executive teams, um, leaders in organizations to really, really think about the most critical enabler of their people's performance, which is their energy and their health, and to make that a strategic priority in their organizations going forward. So we create more human-centric organizations and mm. not places where people are treated as units of production. Oh, that's such an inspiring story, Jeff. Thank you also for sharing. And Coming to my final question, I started the work Reset Revolution because I really believe that we kind of live in a fear-based society where all our structures of work are, you know, that maybe happened mm. over the last sort of 40, 50 years don't fit in with where we are living now. And that there needs to be a structural change in the way that we work. But we also need to look at really rewiring our own brains, but also our organizational brains to start working in a different way. And so I wanted to ask you, what does a work reset revolution look like to you? And what is your vision on that? I think you've almost answered that yourself in, that, <laughs> in the way you've posed that question to me. You know, for me, a work set revolution is exactly as you say, it's about radically transforming the way in which we go about doing work. And you used two words in that question, which I think was, is so, so important. And it is my vision around a workset revolution. It's where organizations take greater accountability to enhance the lives of their employees. True accountability. You know, Cara, when it comes to safety, organizations take huge accountability to keeping people physically safe at work. And I think in a workset revolution, we need to see organizations that are taking real accountability, not just to keep people physically safe at work, but to keep people emotionally safe at work, to keep people mentally safe at work, and to give people at work a greater sense of purpose and meaning through the work that they are doing. And that's what I would call the organization accountability and what is my vision for what organizations would be doing. And then is the individual accountability piece. And individuals, individuals beginning to protect the most valuable thing that they have in their lives, 
relationships, which is their well-being and their health, and putting in place structures and disciplines whereby they can protect themselves and whereby they can ensure that when they go to work on a Monday morning, they're feeling energized. When they get home on a Friday evening, they feel energized so they can be that good father, that good mother, that good partner, that good husband, that good wife. And so I would like to see individuals into the future taking a greater degree of accountability and in some ways workplaces holding them accountable for protecting the most critical enabler of their overall performance, which is their energy and their health and holding them accountable for that. And so that for me is, it's not the only element to a work set revolution, but I think it's part of this revolution that we need to see. And I'm sure people like you and the research that you guys are doing will bring different facets to what that work set revolution looks like. But for me, it's about this whole concept of enhancing the lives of people by going to work, where the organization takes accountability and the individual takes accountability to achieve that outcome. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure talking to you today, and I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy this conversation as well. So thank you so much. And for anybody that'd like to be get in touch with Jeff, we have his details linked below in the podcast. So thank you very much again, Jeff. Only a pleasure. And keep up the great work, Cara, everything that you're doing. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Work Research Revolution. I'd like to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. As a next step, share this episode with anyone that you think may benefit. Follow us on LinkedIn at Softer Success for more inspiration to change the way we work. And contact us at info at softersuccess.com to find out more about our burnout assessment tool. If you have any feedback on how to improve, please do reach out to me as I'm always keen to learn more. Thank you so much for listening and we'll meet again on the next episode of Work Reset Revolution. Thank you.